Welcome everyone to Praxis No Filter, our message behind the blog. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie, and I am over the moon excited to introduce to you our first guest for season two. Drum roll, drum roll. I'm, I'm production, so that's all the drum roll you get. Uh, Sarah Crawford. Sarah Crawford is the CEO of the Tammy Lynn Center, former National Director of Partnerships and Programs at Single Stop, and as of last Wednesday, bigger drum roll, North Carolina State Senator of District 18. <laughs> However, I would dare to say that amidst her numerous accomplishments and accolades, by which there are many, her most precious titles are those of life partner to Dan and mother to Emily and Abby and her fur baby. So, Senator Crawford, mm. I mm. love saying that. Oh my gosh, that makes my heart happy. So good to have you on Practice No Filter. For our listeners, there's a comfort here that I have to disclose. Uh, Sarah and I go way back. Uh, some 11 yes. or 12 years, we used to work together in the basement at Duke University. Yes, mm -hmm. Duke University has a basement uh, right next to the cafeteria where the trucks would back up and yes. look as though they were getting ready to come into our windows. But during that time together, uh, we would often have lunch roundtable discussions, um, she and I and a, maybe a couple other co-workers sometimes, where we just really encouraged each other and realized that we shared faith and um, our love for our children. At that time, I think when we first met, she hadn't had Emily just yet, but mm -hmm. Emily came soon thereafter. Um, but I am excited about you being here. I know you have a really busy schedule and you've had a busy week. So just mm. talk about what it felt like being sworn in as a state senator. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, first, Dr. Helms Pickett, um, <laughs> what an honor to be invited to join you today. Um, I have so been looking forward to this since since you asked me to to be here and um, just hearing your voice, um, it's just so calming to me. I, and it takes me back to our lunch table conversations, which I miss so I miss much. Too. Mm. I miss. We got to have one outside yes. in a parking lot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Soon, soon. As soon that's as the right. weather gets a little bit warmer, well, we can all stand to be outside. Um, well, gosh, it has been a whirlwind of a week for sure. Um you know, I think um, the 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 word that comes to mind for for being sworn in on Wednesday is surreal, absolutely mm. surreal. I mean, if you would have told me when I was a little girl that I was going to be a state senator one day, I, I would have laughed in your face. Actually, probably what I what I would have said is, "What is that?" Um, you Come know. On. <laughs> My, my family, we were not involved in politics when I was growing up as a kid. Um, it just, you know, it was something that kind of happened around us, um, but it wasn't something that we were steeped in. And so this world that my children are getting to grow up in is so different than, than the childhood that I have. And it just would have never occurred to me um, really until college, uh, that government was one way to make a difference. Um, uh, and even then, I certainly never thought that I would run for office. But here I, here I am. Um, here you are. <laughs> here I am. And, you know, first, 
just walking onto the floor of the state Senate is an experience. Um, I, you know, you walk in and it just, um, you know, there's something kind of, uh, I hate to say this, but, but kind of glorified about it. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like walking, walking into the church. Um, you know, it's a revered place and, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever tire of walking through those doors into the chamber. Um, it was also a lot different than what we thought it was going to be like. Uh, there were only a limited number of guests allowed. You know, normally I would have probably filled up a whole half side of the gallery at least. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I had my, my husband and my girls there. And a couple of really close friends, but that was it. We each got a limited number of tickets. Everybody was spaced apart. I'm grateful everybody had masks on. Um, uh, that's not something that's always happened uh, in the state Senate, but everybody was wearing a mask. Uh, but they were all visible reminders that the pandemic is here. I mean, it is here. Um but, you know, I was I've tried to think of other ways that I could have my family right by my side. You know, normally in different times, you have people who stand on the floor with you. Um, uh, but we couldn't do that this time uh, just to, to make sure we had space to be a little bit distant uh, on mm. the Senate floor. But I brought I brought my grandmothers with me. Um, they they have passed. Mm. But I have my, uh, my mom's mom's, my maternal grandmother, I have her engagement ring. And I have my dad's mom's uh, earrings that, her, that my grandfather gave her when they had their 25th wedding anniversary. And so I wore those things and I took the oath on the Bible that my aunt gave to me when I was confirmed. Uh, so, oh yeah, so it was... Um, it was cool to have those treasures with me and to know that my family could be with me in other ways and just humbling, but very humbling. Sarah, that is just amazing. I got chills <laughs> and tears in my eyes all thinking about the powerful uh, presence of your ancestors there <laughs> with you and thinking about your daughters getting to see you in that kind of capacity. I mean, yeah. That is just simply amazing. And I'm I'm really happy that you all were able to at least be able to have some semblance of what it normally has yeah. been in terms of socially distancing. Thank you for having your face. Yes, yes. Super excited about yes. that. But I, I can imagine considering what has happened within our country over the last almost two weeks. I, I want to get us into this blog and, and kind of pick up from thinking about walking into that sacred space. Uh, this week's blog was entitled, He Causes Us to Triumph. And it was essentially based on the current state that we are navigating as Americans, particularly watching the insurrection occur in the nation's mm -hmm. capital. And for me, as I watched television that day, um, I had my two monitors going, one that I'm doing my work on and the other I had the news on so I could watch the, um, you know, proceedings that were going on. But when that changed and we began to see, you know, domestic terrorists, yeah. quite frankly, uh, storm the Capitol, I, I got up from my desk. I can vividly remember just laying on my face and crying out to God, um, and just feeling this deep sense of, of 
fear and uncertainty and concern that um, I had not personally witnessed in my generation. I can think about films that I've seen and listening to my family members talk about things that were frightening like that, particularly during civil rights. But what went through your Mm -hmm. mind um, thinking about as a citizen and as a parent and most recently, you know, an elected official, what was going on through your mind? Well, I mean, I think the first the first thing that came to mind was just disbelief. I mean, I I, I was mm. in my office uh, at, at work at at TLC Tammy Lynn Center when, um, and I was actually in a meeting, and so didn't didn't have anything up, um, kind of watching the the proceedings, and and didn't see it um, at, at first. But the notification popped up on my phone, and actually didn't. Uh, when the notification popped up, I was like, okay, there's a protest at the Capitol, um, which is much different um, than what it actually was. And I don't think I really understood the severity until I saw, you know, until I was able to get out of that meeting and, and see the images um, that, that were being streamed, uh, you know, online and on our TVs. And, um, you know, I think like a lot of uh, Americans and, and probably a lot of people across the country or across the world, uh, you know, I experienced a wave of emotions. And as hard as it was to believe that this was happening um, and that this terrorism was caused by fellow Americans, there was also a part of me that was not surprised, which is that's a strange juxtaposition, right, of, of emotions. And, you know, but, but when we look at it, we, we have had a president who for four years has given people permission not just to hate, but to proudly wear their hate and Come express on. their hate and act upon their hate and who over the past two months and, and quite frankly more even before the election spewed lies that cast fear and doubt in the minds of these people who were, were already charged up and, and allowed, like I said, to, to wear this badge of hate, like it was a badge of honor. And I think, you know, combine all of that. Well, I think it's hard to believe that this is happening. I I was like, well, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm sad and I'm angry, but you know, uh, this is, this is what, what happens when you have a leader like we've had um, in the White House for the past four years. And, you know, as an elected official in, in the state of North Carolina, I took an oath to uphold not just the Constitution of North Carolina, but our oath also asks us to uphold the Constitution of the United States. And that means something. And our words matter. Um, I don't care if you're an elected official or not. Our words matter. Um, and we, we have to be really careful about how we use those words. And I think, you know, we saw that play out um, in, in violent and disgraceful ways, um, I, uh, you know, a week ago. Um, and, you know, I, I am praying for our nation. I'm praying for healing. I I do think, and I posted this on Facebook and I got a little bit of pushback 
Um, you know, cause I, I said, this is not who we are. And I had some people write to me and say, this is exactly who we are. But, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of hold, hold on to, yes, there are 70 million roughly Americans who voted for Donald Trump, which is roughly half of the people who voted a little less than half. And, mm-hmm. but, it, and I think it's, you know, I think it's easy to say, to make a sweeping statement and say, you know, it was those 70 million people who are, are responsible for this, but, but I don't hold on to that. I think, you know, the, it's still a relatively small percentage of people who are proudly wearing this hate that doesn't excuse it. That doesn't make it okay. Um, but I, I stand firm in saying that this is not who we are. And it is going to take a little bit of time for us to heal and, and, and beca- begin to come together. But there is far more that, that brings us together than divides us. I completely agree with you and, and appreciate you lifting that up because I too was like, hmm, horrible, not completely mm-hmm. surprising. But I think just watching it and, and trying to move those images mm-hmm. out of your head is tough and and coupled with the fact it hasn't stopped like we're getting much more of you know this yeah. is what was happening yeah. also take us to this person and now we are you know we're on a different kind of alert so I I agree with you and in, in thinking about that divide and that opposition that we know exists as a state senator uh, I'm sure you have mm-hmm. prepared for opposition you experienced some of that even in your, mm-hmm. your campaign but how do you think about uh, working across divide and, and more importantly, bridging yeah. that divide. Um, well, there's certainly a lot of divide right now. And, and you know, I, I will tell you, this won't be surprising to you. Um, I am <laughs> a person who does not mind conflict. Um, uh, just, just ask my family. <laughs> this is actually how I knew I could marry Dan. Is he was he was willing to have a good fight with me, <laughs> a healthy, unapologetically. Right, right. He can he can go toe for toe, y'all. Yes, he can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if only y'all could be a fly on the wall in our house. Um, but 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 you know, all kidding aside, I think you know in our work, no matter what we're doing, it's important to start with a few things, um, you know, core values, knowing who you are and knowing your why, um, honesty and integrity and, and understanding. And when I talk about understanding, I, I mean, listening. And I think that we need to do a lot more of that. Um, uh, you know, these, these deep political divides that we seem to have, um, really are not helpful for moving us forward. Um, and there, there are all kinds of studies that have shown that when, when we find ways to compromise, we actually get better policy for people in the end. And so, you know, kind of starting from that place and recognizing that even if we don't agree on something, there's some, there's value um, in, there's always value in how people feel, right? Regardless of whether or not you agree yes. with those feelings, there's value there and there's, there's meaning there, especially for that person. And I think, 
you know, we have to start with our own core values, really knowing who we are, um, uh, you know, bringing to the conversation honesty and, and that understanding and, and starting from a place where, where we want to understand. And, you know, so, so just, you know, to give you an example, one of the things that I'm doing now between, uh, you know, when, when we had opening day session on Wednesday and when the Senate reconvenes for the long session on, uh, which will be January 27th, I'm talking with Democrats and Republicans working to build relationships and finding places of common ground, um, you know, trying to be really honest about what it is I'm interested in working on and why those things are important um, and, and also seeking to find out where other people are. Um, I know that we won't always agree. There will be times I don't agree with my, with my Democratic colleagues, um, but I do believe that you can bridge, bridge divides by being open and authentic and, and being ready to listen. Well, we've got two ears and one mouth we learned very <laughs> early in life. <laughs> yes. Indicating that we certainly need to spend more time engaged in listening than just consideration of what mm. comes out of our mouth. So that is something for us to hold. I want to think specifically, uh, as we talk about, there are many different avenues of divide that we are working through as citizens. But when you think about one specific uh consideration. I'd like to lift up mm -hmm. racial unrest. And you and I share faith and have had many discussions regarding our faith. But when you think about racial unrest within the country, what do you see as the responsibility of the faith community? Uh, perhaps the ways that we've done well and our opportunities yeah. <laughs> uh, for growth yeah. and change. Um, gosh, you know, this is such a big question. <laughs> we, we could have an entire, <laughs> we have a whole show yeah. on a series for that, series. right? Forget it. Yeah. Forget about one show. We may, we're going to have to come back. You, you, you gave that idea. We, we might need to come back to um, that. <laughs> uh, gosh, you know, if we, if we look back at history, um, right, the faith community has played such a large role in racial unrest um, through the decades um, in, in our country, right? Yeah. And, you know, we need the faith community to play a large role now. And I, I think I read something, uh, you know, in, in times of racial unrest, um, you know, I, I always seek to find answers, you know, find out why, what can we do? And um, I remember... Um, I think it was right after George Floyd's murder, I called you because um, I was getting ready to have a big yeah. event. And um, I didn't, you know, I just wanted some words of how I could be thoughtful and acknowledging, recognizing that um, I'm a white woman in this space. And uh, my experience is, is different um, than what yeah. black and brown people have experienced. And so, you know, you were, you were so helpful in that, um, you know, but, but I was reading something and this has been several months ago, but it said that the, um, the person, the author said that the, the hour or a couple of hours of worship every Sunday 
remains the most segregated time in our country. And, um, you know, that really sat with me, um, and, and resonated with me in in some powerful ways. And, you know, I think that we, we need our faith leaders to come together and I, I don't have all of the answers. Um, but, but we need, we need our faith leaders and our faith community, um, to call out racism, to lean on the Bible that, um, you know, Christ is not partial. There is no difference, um, between anyone that God made that Christ is all and in all, right. You know, looking back in Colossians, um, and, you know, as I think about the most powerful conversations that I was able to be in um, through the summer and into the fall, they were conversa- conversations in which there was space created for people to have dialogue, um, to share what they were experiencing, yeah. um, to share what they didn't understand, um, whether it be about their own lives or about systemic racism, um, you know, and and really people coming together and and understanding that people are in this journey of, of racial unrest in different places. Um, right. There are some people who, when, when, um, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, there were people who said, yeah, this is racism is alive and well and has been, um, in, in our country. And there were other people who were shocked, you know, couldn't believe it. Right. And so I think it's important to open up spaces where, where people can have safe conversations in the spirit of understanding and moving forward together. And I think the faith community can play a big role in that because these are, these are places of, of trust where people feel centered and grounded Um, and, and, you know, you can, you can have whatever feelings you have, um, you can have them in a safe place. And, you know, let me just say that I, I I don't think that the responsibility alone lies in the faith community. It, it's the responsibility of every one of us that has witnessed this injustice. Yes. Perfectly said, and I, I appreciate lifting up, thinking about those faith communities of the places mm-hmm. where we can be vulnerable. And if we can't be vulnerable to express how we are feeling and that we don't know, or this is happens all the time, right. this is just like Tuesday, then it's difficult to consider how we may have them in other places. I know it um, during my day job, we've had such an uptick in uh, folks being interested in participating in conversations and learning about Mm -hmm. race and difference. And, you know, a lot of it came having seen the horrific murders before our eyes. It came from sheltering in place because of COVID, but also because people can log on to something when they're in their homes. This is the place where we feel most at ease and trusting and vulnerable. Many of us, not you know, recognizing that there are some mm-hmm. people that are very unsafe there in violent situations, but there are a lot of us that are blessed to uh, engage in difficult conversations when we're in our <laughs> fuzzy spots <laughs> under our favorite blanket and feeling as though 
I'm not being judged yes. as when I'm sitting yes. at work in a classroom or in a space where people are looking at me and I'm afraid to say, I was surprised by this while you're sitting next to someone saying, right. oh, this happens all the time. Uh, I think also our children are receiving much more information and having so much more exposure than mm-hmm. we had growing up. So how do you talk to your daughters about issues related to racism and sexism and oh my god all the isms oh my gosh. <laughs> that matter um, well we talk about everything in our house <laughs> and I mean every every <laughs> every everything um Dan and I made a decision as parents and I I don't know I don't remember us talking about it um and and making making that decision but we kind of came to it, um, that we were just always going to be honest with our children, that we were going to use real words for real things, call, call things what they were, um, and, you know, help, help prepare our kids, um, for the world in the best way that we can. And, you know, I think that's our role as parents and, and, you know, people have different ways uh, about doing that. Um, and, you know, our way happens to be, you know, we're, we're not going to shield them from the hard stuff. Uh, you know, and I think that's part of the way that we've decided we're going to give them the tools that they need to be successful. And, you know, that means having their eyes wide open so that they can be aware of their own privilege, that they understand what that means in the world and so that they can see injustices. Um, you know, we, when uh, George Floyd was murdered, we, we watched all eight minutes and 46 seconds mm-hmm. um, a, as a family. And I know, you know, I had friends of mine uh, who they, they were sheltering their kids from that. And, and that is that is what they chose to do. And I'm, you know, I'm not judging that at all. You know, you, you do what, what makes sense for your household. But for us, um, you know, I, I think, you know, our kids, um, they're growing up with a lot of information, um, just given the work that, that Dan and I both do. And for listeners, my, my husband is a, a lobbyist for clean air and clean water. And so he's in the political field as well. And so, you know, they're growing up just with a lot of information, but also seeing the side of it where you can make a difference. So that's the other side of this. When, we, when, when our kids do see the injustice and the violence and the racism on TV and and, you know, they watched um, not the whole thing, but they they witnessed, like all of us did, the insurrection at the Capitol. And it brought my oldest daughter to tears. Um, and, you know, I said, yeah. Emily, why don't you go upstairs? And, and my husband said, no, wa- watch it. But let's look for the helpers. You know, let's and let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. What happened? Why did it happen? And what's going to be done to address it? And what can we do? Um, you know, what's our part in this? Um, I want to read you this poem. My um, oldest daughter, Emily, age 11, wrote this poem this week. Here we go. Mm, Social justice, equal rights, fair, just, kind. White men get it, white women generally, all others, 
not often. The world would be better if only society were to grasp it, rights equaled, and fairness is given to all. If all the world had the same opportunities, oh, the kindness we'd see that would last forever. I'm a bow. Yeah. I'm a bow, Rose. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. And, that you know, so and so beautiful. that, oh my gosh. That was smart she, of her. That you know, pe- people, uh, you know, they say things, um, you know, now that I'm, I have, now I'm in this political career, um, uh, you know, they'll say things to me like, you'll be governor, you'll be this. And I'm like, no, no, no. You need, you need to remember Emily Crawford's name. Um <laughs> Listen here, Emily Crawford. <clears throat> and you all, we laugh calling her Amabo. When Sarah was pregnant, it was the time when um, our former president Barack Obama was running, and so mm-hmm. that's his name spelled backwards. That's what we call her. So we were being <laughs> prophetic at the time. So I am certain that our declarations over the lunch table have oh, manifested yes. through oh, those yes. powerful words that she wrote. Which yeah. I'm just I'm blown away about that. I'm blown away. So Sarah, we, we talked about a lot of you serving as a senator, but when you're not doing that, you're working mm-hmm. with Tammy Lynn, you've worked with Single Stop. You have this concept of servant mm-hmm. leader embedded within you. And, and you talked about not growing up in politics or even you know having a family that was tuned into that. Where does this, uh, this, part of you that is deeply embedded about being a servant leader where does that come from and and how do you sustain and nurture it because I can imagine you know (laughs) girl that ain't easy well you know I I don't know that I ever um had a name for it until recently to be honest with you um you know, you and I have talked, um, a lot about faith. Um, and you know, I think that's part of where it comes from. My grandfather was a minister. My grandma played the organ at our church. My mom was a teacher. Um, my dad was an engineer, um, but he was always finding time to help others. And so I was, I was surrounded by, even though people weren't politically engaged, I was surrounded by people who, um, you know, were, were deeply faithful and always putting each other or putting others, um, first, um, ahead of themselves. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it just was kind of instilled in me. And so in, in high school, I was always seeking out, um, opportunities to help, you know, be engaged in different clubs and activities where we were volunteering that continued on through college. And, um, it was, it was in college where I really started to understand that, um, government could be a place, um, to help, help people, um, as well. And, you know, it's just as something I'm, I'm motivated by. And, and I remember years ago, I met a friend uh, out, uh, I, I knew him professionally, and he asked me where I wanted to be in five years, and I had no answer, um, and I said, I, I don't know, I just want to help others and make a difference for people, and he said, you don't have a plan, like be CEO in five years, and 
I was like, no, do you have a plan? He said, yes, I am. And he had it all planned out in three years. I will be vice president. And then in five years, I will be president. And if not, I'm going to go start my own company. And of course, then, especially as a woman, I had to question if I was doing life wrong. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't have anything figured out. (laughs) But, you know, it's true. I I wasn't, I I have never kind of thought this is where I want to be or what I want to be doing. I just, um, you know, I just kind of set out to listen for my calling and, and sometimes I don't listen very well. Um, and, and, you know, I have to get hit upside the head a little bit. Um, but you know, that's even kind of how state Senate happened. I, was going about my life. And, and back in 2014, actually to end of 2013, I got asked to run. And initially I said, no, that seems like a crazy thing to do. Um, I'm not going to run for state Senate. And, <laughs> you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought about how we need people who will step up. And I have on my wall um, leading out the front of, of my, the front of my house out my front door, I have, um, the verse Isaiah six, eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I send me. And, you know, I think about that a lot. And I think, you know, when, when we're called to serve, um, you know, we really have to listen to that. And, and, and I, I've tried to do that. Um, how do I sustain it? Woo. I, I tend to go and go and go, um, until I break, (laughs) which is, which is terrible and is the exact (laughs) opposite advice that I give to other people. Um, I can preach self-care, but I am really, really bad at modeling it. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's something that I know I need to get better. And I have definitely thought about that, um, especially now with, um, you know, having my day job, having my Senate job and, um, still, um, managing to be a wife and a mother and, and take care of, of things at home. Uh, you know, I'm so, so fortunate to have Dan who does so much for our family, but, um, you know, that, that is an area where I, I am a work in progress. <laughs> I feel you on that. Uh, you wear a lot of hats for sure. And I appreciate you lifting Mm-mm. up, you know, I don't do so great at it all the time, but we are, uh, everyone <laughs> lean your arms to the, to your listening device. We're going to touch and agree <laughs> that our Senator is able to do that. But what are the things that you do for yourself when you can carve it out and, and how do you find time to hear God say, go here, Sarah, where, how do you cultivate your uh, devotion and meditation and what are the things that bring you? Oh, joy? Um, well, a great happen? hot cup of tea brings me joy, which I'm drinking one of those right now. Um, <laughs> that brings nice, me joy. You know, nice. I think, um, God knows that he made me, um, really headstrong and, and also made me, um, you know, he, he made, he made me right. And I have a hard time sitting in the quiet. 
Um, so I actually, I don't meditate. Um, that's not something that I do. And, um, and so I have found other ways to, um, be with God. Um, you know, I, I certainly go to church now we're doing virtual church in our jammies on the couch on Sunday morning. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? If my pastor listens to this. <laughs> Um, he, he will say, now, come on, you're going to come back. But I really like doing church in my jammies now. Um, you know, but I, I, I just have to find other <laughs> ways to talk to God and, and, and because he knows me so well, um, he knows that he's got to come to me, um, in, in different ways all the time. Not just, not just when I'm seeking him out, um, so, you know, I, I do talk to God all the time. Yeah. I talk to him uh, when I'm by myself and when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving to work and, you know, I'm, I'm a runner and it's been a little hard for me to find time to fit that in lately. But when I am running, that's actually when I do my, my, most of my meditation. I know I said, I don't meditate, but I do meditate when I run, I, I find my rhythm, I get in my zone and God is right there waiting for me to start the conversation. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, it just, I think, you know, we all have to figure out what works for us and we all have to find that time for us. And for me, that, that looks a little bit like multitasking. And again, that's not something that I would recommend to people, but that's what works in my life. <laughs> well we all mm. are I can relate to the shower ministry I've written on that that's where I get my greatest I think listening time with God yes. but it's also when the enemy speaks to me the most because the enemy knows that that's my place mm. to you know listen and to and to talk um running was my thing before my mm -hmm. can't handle running like they used to but um a walk a good fast-paced walk can give me the same kind of uh experience i i want to share that i've seen on timelines that some folks are saying wow my gosh we were looking forward to 2021 and for 2020 to be behind us and now it feels like, yeah. you know, 2020 on steroids or something. What gives you hope as a believer? And I'm thinking of that hope to walk into oh, that sacred space that we open in discussing rather than saying, okay, Dan, <laughs> girls, let's just go get a burger. Because, oh. you know, nothing different than, you know, yeah, from last um, year. Well, what that burger does sound really good. Um <laughs> listen here. I'm, I'm doing the Daniel fast right now, but trust me, me that may yes. be what Ooh, is yes. involved warmer yes. weather, Perfect. social distance and, and, and a maybe burger. one of one of your mom's it's a cheesecakes. Date. It's a date. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can do that too. She's she's going to be listening. So oh my she gosh. Like, oh, with the oh girls. My gosh. Oh, I love her. With I the love girls. her. Um, well, you know, I, um, I don't I don't always get here easily and I have to really work at remembering this. Um, but you know, God is in charge and even when we may not understand it, I do believe that there is a reason for all things. And that, that doesn't mean 
that I'm sitting here at peace all the time. Please, listeners, know that is not true. Um, but but when I can find that peace and that understanding, you know that that's what I know. That is my truth, and we are all part of a larger plan that has everything to do with God's plan and nothing to do with whatever we think our own plan is. And, you know, I, I try to think really hard too about how I'm supposed to use my talents right now. You know, God has opened the door for me to serve the state of North Carolina. So how do I use that? How do you, how do I use my hands, my feet, my voice over the next year to help people recover financially to help get the vaccine distributed equitably and help us move forward together as a state. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't think God makes mistakes. And I think he puts us all exactly where we need to be when we need to be there. And so, um, I, you know, that's, that's how I find my purpose. And that's how I find hope in, in the year to come. Brilliant. I like to identify as what I call a dangerously privileged curator of faith. How do you? So is this a good faith? time to to plug your blog? <laughs> yes, by all means. I mean, seriously, seriously. Um, your blog has gotten me through some of the more challenging times in the past year. And I have referred it, re- referred it to my friends, referred to it in many conversations. And, um, and so I just need you to know that. And I just, when you speak, it is so powerful. So I just thank you for using your voice in that way. Um, you know, as deep as my Christian faith is, um, I also believe that God comes to people in all different forms, um, wherever he, you know, you can see him wherever you are in your life. And sometimes that's not in the form of a Christian God, you know, and I, and I think that's how God talks to people. Um, and, and so I have one friend who, isn't religious at all, but has the best resources and wisdom on servant leadership. And I draw on that wisdom and the resources that she shares with me all the time. Um, I have another former coworker who is deeply spiritual and we have regular conversations about our faith, what our faith means for our life and for our work. We share articles, music, and I mean, you know this about me. I just, I love talking to people and, and the, the pandemic yeah. has made it really hard to have those, yeah, you know, yeah. authentic conversations with people. Um, you know, when we meet with people, it's um, for a purpose of getting something done. It's not just, Hey, let's grab coffee. Um, and so it's been harder to do that. But I, I like to learn about what motivates people and the role that their faith plays for them, regardless of what their religious beliefs might be, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Christianity or no faith at all. Um, right. What does that higher power mean for you in your life? And so I do a lot of curating and conversation, which, um, is something I have really missed, 
over the last year and I have not done a good job of intentionally seeking those opportunities out. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a little difficult to do. And I, I had, I was talking to a girlfriend yesterday and uh, she's active in my sorority chapter in the Chicagoland area. And they were having an event on Zoom. She was like, How about I was like, I can't do another yep. Zoom. I can't do it. She was like, okay, 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 ship. It's yes. no, no problem. I get it. You know, she saw I was getting ready to have my spiral because I I miss being in person mm-hmm. with folks, just like everyone else. I'm no different than anyone else, but I do yes. get energy in that way. Uh and and it feeds me in a different way than doing it in a virtual capacity. Now I'm appreciative for the folks who create it. Oh yes. Because otherwise we wouldn't get to have church in our PJs, which, you know, shout out to um, our, our pastor. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm down for a PJ day. That's right. <laughs> Maybe PJ bottoms, you know, we may get into, you know, getting in trouble with some of the mothers in, in, in the church, but you know, I, I love some aspects that have allowed us to continue to operate and connect. But I, yes. I look yes. forward to the day of being in person with folks. Mm. So, Senator Crawford, any final words that you would like to say? <laughs> I know I want to say that again. Senator Crawford, any final words that you would like to say to the people? Oh, of my the great gosh. I don't know North that I will Carolina. ever get used to people calling me Senator Crawford. Um, my youngest daughter says yeah. to me, at night, Abby, she's nine. She says, good night, Senator. And then she says, I know. And I'm like, okay. And then she says <gasps> to Dan, good night, Senator Susbin. And I'm like, well, yeah, that that's okay. You can say that all day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, Abby for the win. Um, but those are, not the fi- win. those are not my final words. <laughs> um, you know, we, we all have I know. I know. something to give something to offer, something to make the load a little lighter for someone else. I I don't care who you are or, you know, who you think you are or what you do in the world. We all have something to give. And if there was ever a time to dig deep and listen to what it is that we have to offer, which quite frankly could simply be finding more time to listen to each other, listen more, talk less, um, This is the time to do it. We are better together. We are stronger together. And we are all in this together. And one of the the quotes that I come back to all the time is um, author Irma Bombeck. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. Amen. That's beautiful. How might our listeners uh, keep up with you? How you're doing in the uh, Senate space that you occupy? Oh, thank you. Um, Well, I am on Facebook and Twitter, um, and it's at Sarah Crawford NC, and that is Sarah with an H. Sarah Crawford NC. That's my handle for Facebook and Twitter. Um, I think I have an Instagram account, but I don't really use it because I'm of the generation that has to learn those things. And um, so you can follow me on Instagram, <laughs> but it will be very, very boring for you. Um, 
Uh, I'm also trying to keep up uh, with newsletters <laughs> and uh, keep people informed about what's going on. Um, folks can sign up um, at sarah4nc.com. And, you know, my door uh, at the legislature is always open to folks. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I don't know with the makeup of the legislature what we might be able to accomplish in terms of some of those big items, but I am really committed to serving uh, the folks of Senate District 18 and helping all North Carolinians where I can, um, even if that's to get you connected to your own representative or senator if you're not in this district. And so my, my door is open. Um, you can come visit me safely with a face covering and distanced, um, or you can always call or email our office. I, I am, I'm here to serve. I am, I am in service to the state of North Carolina. And for that, Dr. Helms Pickett. Senator <laughs> Crawford. It, <laughs> it has been a pleasure. We pray God's blessings upon mm -hmm. you as you assume this mighty task that you are prepared to handle. And uh, we are backing you and look forward to having you back. You dropped some nuggets that we're going to have to circle back to. So I am deeply appreciative of your time. And for listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Practice No Filter, the 